Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 131. That is a lot of conversations that are building up here. Uh, Welcome to anyone who's just joined the show recently. It's awesome to have you here. Uh, We are certainly not shy of diversification when it comes to uh, topics, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, and something I absolutely love, which sort of scared me in the early days. I'm like, are people going to want to know about this crazy wide variety of topics that either pertain to human health, planetary health, or both? Uh, and, uh, and the number one piece of feedback I get is, I really love the variety and people saying things like, gosh, I didn't think I was going to be interested in that. I was almost going to skip it, but I listened and I was like, oh my gosh, it ended up being one of my favorites. So thank you so much for supporting the show. And I absolutely love hearing about the wins you have from the ideas and tips you get, um, or the new subjects you're passionate about. Last week's show with uh, Dr. Joan Rosenberg was a huge hit. So many people had many, many emotional pennies drop in that show. Um, and so we go from from facing our unpleasant feelings head on to this week welcoming Julian Mitchell from Lifecycle to the show. And Julian is the co-founder of this business called Lifecycle. And it's an evolutionary focused mycelium biotechnology company that engineers positive solutions to real world problems. So they harvest the circular economic economy and use it, it's valuable fuel in partnership with mushrooms. So they're, you know, they're supplying some incredible products. Uh, They recycle, reuse a huge amount of coffee grounds uh, to grow mushrooms and then create extracts, mushroom plant protein products, all sorts of incredible things. And uh, not just that, it's certainly not just a plug for their business that I came across thanks to Charlie Arnott, a regenerative and biodynamic um, farmer that's going to be on the show in a few weeks. It's actually more about the fascinating gift that mushrooms are to the world and looking at just how much we can use them to shape human health and planetary health um, with a variety of initiatives in business and, uh, and medical research. So it's a really, really exciting show. Now, before I tuck into that show, I just want to remind you that we have a month-long support from the brand Walida this month, and I know you guys love it when Walida jump on board and support the show because there's always a fantastic offer, and so many of you use products from the range, so it really helps. And, uh, you know, thank you to everybody who joined the giveaway tonight on Instagram. So that's March 18th at about 8 p.m. Sydney time. I will be revealing the five winners of the competition and five lucky winners are going to win the complete new, lovely, extended skin food range. Um, but the good news is, is there's something on top of that competition that you can keep carrying through for the next two weeks of the month. I just wanted to announce the competition today, just in case anyone was holding out to see if they'd won before making the most of the deal they have for us this month. So if you didn't win, it's okay because you could receive 
a free skin food 75 mil valued at $22.95 with all orders over $69.95. Your code is LTL skin food and your shopping destination is walida.com.au. Now, many of you will know that I tend to just stick to a few pioneering brands um, rather than feel like I need to be across every single new product that comes out and read label after label after label. Uh, And Walida have been pioneering since the early 1900s, thanks to the incredible work of Rudolf Steiner and his colleagues in starting the business. And they have remained a global leader in initiatives around partner farming, uh, creating local economy in developing countries, uh, around sustainability, packaging reform, even when it comes to plastics and aluminium, some incredible initiatives. And they're the highest rated uh, beauty company in the world with several certifications and ratings and awards. Uh, They're truly inspiring. And uh, I always have in the show notes just a few products that I love from the range. If you're new to Living Low Tox and you want to just do a bit of a best of shop, then I have that for you in the show notes. Um, But uh, suffice it to say, I ran out of, I think, my 15th tube of uh, Rose Day skin cream today. And uh, and I'm going to be topping up as well and getting that free skin food. It's my favorite gift, skin food, to give to people because you don't know, I don't know anyone who's over 30 or 40 who doesn't have dry patches of skin here or there, who doesn't travel and need a good flight cream, who uh, doesn't enjoy a bit of a glow under the eye area. There are so many uses for skin food uh, and mostly it's just incredibly nourishing for very dry skins. And this new release of several skin foods in the range from the lip balm to the body butter that's vegan to the skin food light, uh, which is just a lighter textured skin food um, with all of the hallmark healing properties of the original cream. There's just, there's something for everyone now. It's a really beautiful range and I definitely encourage you to try it. So um, all the details in the show notes as usual. And uh, I want to just quickly give a shout out to everybody who is joining the Lotox Club. My gosh, what an incredible group. We've just rounded out the seven days, five cups a day greens challenge. People were noticing all sorts of fantastic um, invigorating feelings, incredibly clear eyes. I was catching up with someone for a meeting and they were like, your eyes are so clear. And I would normally have three or four cups of greens a day, but our five cup challenge kind of somehow took me into the six, seven. And, you know, we do these little challenges in, in seven day bursts and we make them quite quite a stretch from what one might normally do so that we can have a window into what it looks like when we amplify something about our lives. Now, whether that is uh, a plastics reduction challenge, the greens challenge, whatever we've got going on, we do one every two months in the Lotox Club. Uh, It really does enable people to see, oh, I might actually try a little bit harder with that in general because I've seen the impact of it in in hyperdrive over a seven day period. So come join the Lotox Club. You basically join $4 US a month is the minimum and you can uh, support 
all of the work we do at Lotox Life with uh, more if you fancy. But I'm a big fan of just keeping it simple, swap out one of your coffees each month and join the club instead. Uh, huge amounts of value, 20% off all Lotox courses. Uh, book club, we're interviewing the wonderful Natalie Isaacs, uh, who founded, uh, who is the founder of One Million Women on her book, Every Girl's Guide to Saving a Planet. And I'm also interviewing Guy Lawrence, who has attended one of the Joe Dispenza week-long retreats that I am so excited to be attending at the end of April. Woohoo, finally. Um, because one of the other book club books was um, Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. So in a couple of months' time, we're inviting Joe Rosenberg, Joan Rosenberg back, uh, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, that is, uh, to deep dive into her 90 Seconds to a Life You'll Love because that's going to be our next, um, our next book club book. So all those interviews are exclusively for clubbers because it's tied to our book club and they happen live in the Facebook group so that people can ask questions and, yeah, it's super, super cool. Four bucks a month, people. You can do that, right? And it is such a great community to join. It enables us to keep the group um, uh, respectful, well-administrated. It enables us to fund the podcast uh, and that, uh, you know, is all awesome really and I'm just a big fan of building community and the more people we get in there the more cool stuff we can do for you guys so uh yeah join us all the details are on the show notes or you can always hop onto the patreon website search for lotox life and pledge that way as soon as you've um, dropped your first pledge you then get uh, the facebook private um, chat group link and um, the code for your 20% off courses and all the other good stuff, and, and then you'll be able to jump in. It's a seriously good group of humans. The energy in there is beautiful and really proactive and positive. Uh, so if it sounds like you want to bring your low-tox life to life with a like-minded group of people, come join us. Now, I have rambled on for long enough. I have kept you from this awesome conversation about mushrooms for long enough. So I present you now this wonderful deep dive into the magic of mushrooms, pun intended, with Julian Mitchell, co-founder of Lifecycle. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Julian, how are you? Hey, Alex. Great to um, be chatting with you today. I know. I'm really excited. And it was the wonderful biodynamic farmer and educator extraordinaire, Charlie Arnott, who introduced us via email and said, I reckon you'd like to talk to Julian. And once I had a little look at uh, your website and the work you guys have been doing and what inspired it all in the first place, I thought, yes, this is definitely someone who I would love to share the story with our listeners with. So it's great to have you on the show. And uh, your business life cycle, there's obviously quite a few components to it. There's the circular economy piece around the coffee grounds being recouped for mushroom cultivation. There's the education school awareness. There's bee activism, bee community healing, mushroom extract products. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So let's start with the type of company you call yourself, a mycelium biotechnology company. Talk us through what that actually means. It sounds very confusing, I'm sure, to people when they first hear it. And uh, so mycelium is is the roots of mushrooms. And mm -hmm. so uh, this is the root system. And I guess we like to embody that in a lot of the ways we carry out business. But at the same time, there's a lot of uh, nutrients and a lot of 
solutions that can come from the mycelium as well as the fruiting body, uh, which is the mushroom that people are, are very familiar with. So we use mushrooms, we use mycelium, the roots of mushrooms, and we combine that with biotechnology, which biotechnology is almost like the new information technology. So if we think of the last 10 years, we've seen companies that didn't exist before, Apple, Google, Amazon, Airbnb, Uber, all of these companies are based off of the internet. So that's mm. information technology. And so biotechnology is using components of science, computers, data, technology, with biology being plants, mushrooms, um, you know, natural living organisms, and combining those two in a natural way to create solutions. And so that's also for, for things such as the algae farms or the algae farms that you see today that are being grown around the place to help sequester carbon dioxide to mm. you know, mushrooms being one area, hemp being another area for for both you know medicinal purposes, building material. These are all biotechnology companies, and I think that's the next wave um, is over the next 10 years is biotechnology changing the way we can consume food from you know many things such as uh, lab grown meats which you know there's many opinions on which are all very valid um, <laughs> yeah. to you know other solutions and so that's sort of the wave we're moving into I think um, as a society. Yeah and I think it's important to distinguish that there are that there's always good and bad in every industry. Just, uh, you know, there are crappy taxi drivers and there are amazing taxi drivers. There are crappy accountants and amazing accountants. Biotechnology can be a scary word for people who have come to associate it with genetically modified foods, for example, and that kind of science. But to not discount the word completely because there are some incredible biotechnology initiatives with science at the very heart of what they do, yours included, that are doing some really amazing things for uh, the for people and planet. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's time to shake up that word and, and realize. Very that. very very good point. Yes, mm. absolutely. You know, you've got biotechnology also means genetically modified, and there's you know huge debates around that, all very valid as well. And so we, I think what as a company we're trying to do is be as transparent as possible mm. across the whole supply chain and understand that you know for us as a company we believe in the circular economy so we believe in you know using waste utilizing resources such as coffee ground and using that to grow mushrooms but we definitely don't uh, so much believe in chemical additives or you know engineering nature we just try and work with nature and help it grow um, based on the environment it needs. So, for example, with mushrooms, it's around you know, giving them the best environment, natural environment that they can grow in. Yeah. And for people who might not have heard of what the circular economy is, I mean, there are some incredible books on it, and I'll actually pop a couple of my favourites in the show notes today. But I think it'd be great to hear from you um, a bit of a, a simple definition to help people kind of understand why a business starting out today might like to join the circular economy yeah exactly and it's really around the fact that you know for the last 30 40 50 years we've gone through this enormous you know economic growth inverted commas and gdp and all of these things but really it's been a linear economy where we've produced something we've consumed it and then it's gone to waste and out of sight out of mind um, but over time this has built up and so and we just you know 
were shipping waste over to China or we were using many unsustainable methods or you know, burning it and, and doing things like this or just dumping it where there's enormous you know, landfill with plastics and you know, sea plastics and ocean plastics is becoming a real topical issue at the moment, which is very real. And so we just know over the next few decades and even as of right now, we cannot continue like this. And so the circular com economy means understanding the full supply chain and where does that end up? at its end of life and how do we integrate that back into a cycle because we know nature doesn't see waste or doesn't produce waste everything is recycled in terms of you know a tree may grow large may uh, you know sequester carbon dioxide from the environment then it, then it will die and then it will return to the soil and return nutrients to the soil same with leaves same with you know an animal uh, so everything has its life cycle and returns um to a, a good energy source rather than that linear economy. So circular economy just means not producing waste or seeing things as waste, seeing everything as an energy source that has its place in the cycle. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And uh, there are so many incredible examples popping up everywhere. Uh, mud jeans in uh, Northern Europe is one of my favourites and um, – and it'd be great to hear from anyone who wants to share in the show notes this week some of their favourite circular economy businesses because some pretty cool stuff happening. Yeah, it's really making us think outside the box. Mm. That's, where, that's where we're up to. Well, that's right. I mean, it's almost the easy road to just create something and not care about where it ends up, isn't it? I mean, anyone can do that. But it takes real smarts to think about the end cycle of something becoming the beginning cycle of something else. Uh, that that's a whole extra layer of creativity and uh, logistics uh, required. Like it, it's, yeah, it's really admirable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just it's what the consumer wants. It's I'm sure what you want as a consumer and what I want as a consumer is to know that that's, that's occurring. Mm, absolutely. And so something, a huge statement that you make on your website, which I thought – um, wow, that's bold, was to say that you believe mushrooms have the power to shape a new future, one in which we live in full harmony with our beautiful planet. Uh, so, you know, how are some of the ways that you see that actually playing out in in the first three years of business that, that would make you make such a massive statement? Yeah, the, te the team, uh, all of us are very passionate about mushrooms and I guess it's can conveying that in a way to the world that makes sense as well and uh and not just being you know an ideology but how do you do that practically and what does that mean on a, on a tangible level well it means that if we look through through history we've used mushrooms um such as penicillin um which comes from a mushroom called penicillium as a fungi and so this has been an antibiotic that's been used to save millions of lives across you know world wars and infections and so if we look through history, we've seen that we've always used mushrooms for different things, all the way back to, you know, carrying fire. So there's a mushroom called the amadou mushroom that allowed, you know, us uh, nomads to carry fire and the flame across, you know, different uh, countries or, or continents or landscapes. And so you look through history and you see that mushrooms are embedded in our culture and embedded in helping us as a tool. And so if we look forward, well, how can we use mushrooms as a tool, not just as a button mushroom that sits on our plate, but actually there's many other applications such as managing textile waste. So we've been working with a number of fashion labels to recycle textile waste using the roots of mushrooms, the mycelium, to consume the textile waste. 
because otherwise it's just going to landfill. So this is, we believe, an example of a future solution to managing that textile waste. Other examples may be where we're using specific extracts to help the bees. So the bees are suffering a lot of disease, suffering from monoculture cropping, suffering from a lot of spraying of these crops. And so their immune system is weakened and their, lack, their diet diversity is very low because it's a lot of monoculture cropping. And so mushrooms have been able to show that they can improve the lifespan and help build the immunity within the bee. And we look within human studies, there's also been great results in improving immunity. And there's something such called as mycotherapy, which is using mushrooms um, in cases to improve health within the human population, a lot of research going on there. And if we look at other things such as mushroom biomaterials, there's an amazing company called Ecovative based out of New York that are building insulation panels from mushrooms. Mm. So you know, instead of using um, you know, other sort of materials, you can grow these insulation panels for your houses from mycelium using agricultural waste. And so really what mushrooms are is the connector in that they close the loop on a lot of industries and they also provide an organic healthy solution and so it's not just about again having them on your plate as a button mushroom but building industries mm. and closing closing the loop on industries such as the fashion industry such as the building industry such as how we solve issues with you know the bees which has enormous uh, implications on our food supply because you know, they, they of course produce honey which is delicious and healthy but beyond that they pollinate you know, so much of our food, up to around 60 to 70% of our fresh produce. So you wouldn't have almonds without bees or you wouldn't have a lot of other vegetables without bees. And so they're, they're critical to the whole ecosystem. And so, yeah, the humble mushroom can play a role across a lot of these areas. And so mm. I think if we understand that and appreciate it and use natural processes, um, then that's how we get to a more harmonious place. One other example is managing oil spills or managing for example nutrient runoff or pesticide runoff from agriculture so a lot of crops that are being sprayed you get nutrient runoff or mm. pesticide runoff into waterways and so you know mushrooms can consume these pesticides or these these nutrients um, allowing them to filter and not run through our natural waterways affecting other ecosystems and so they're very adaptable, very intelligent, and can be used in many areas. And we just see if we can do that. Um, us and other great companies, then just I think how we are evolving as a society. It's amazing. Can I ask personally uh, how you came to realise how um, how amazing mushrooms were, like the potential of mushrooms? Was it a have you always loved them? Was it like, did you have parents who kind of grew their own mushrooms? When did it all kind of unfold for you? Was it meeting someone special? It's been a pretty, it's a fairly recent love, I mm. guess, in the sense that uh, you know, physio background, when I worked in sport, came back to Australia and just was very passionate about the future of food and saw, uh, you know, the, the boom in hemp as a, as a solution to many issues in North America and, and looking at what are the other areas and seeing the, the algae, um, you know, boom. And so what other tools do we have? And looking at hydroponics, aquaponics, and how do you feed, you know, growing populations sustainably because broadacre farming is, 
is in, in many ways is causing a lot of deforestation and has a, has a huge carbon footprint attached to it. And so, absolutely, how do, yeah. we, how do we do things naturally, organically, and in a scalable way? And mushrooms can grow. In our case, we grow them from coffee grounds, so it's recycling uh, a resource that would typically go to landfill. Very low water use, no chemical use. You can grow them in urban environments. Um, amazing texture, amazing taste. No matter which diet you are, you know you follow. Uh, everyone can, I guess, agree on mushrooms. And, <laughs> and so whether you're keto, vegan, paleo, uh, whatever your, you know, your flavor is, then uh, mushrooms fit into all of those. So that's great. And so they have that solution of being a meat substitute or uh, being the hero of the dish and providing minerals. And so that's where we started, just based on that education and that research. We found, well, mushrooms tick all the boxes. Let's go into that space. And then there's many greats that have come before in this space, both scientists and researchers. And so when you read the literature, you see the abundance of opportunity out there that just hasn't, I guess, um, seen the light of day in terms of a commercial environment. And so it's like, how do we try and link the science that these great researchers have done to creating uh, products out there? And how do we do our own research? And so on the back of that, you know, we grew from growing mushrooms to reading the research to realizing we can do many things with this mm. uh, to building a team of scientists and recruiting a team of scientists. And so we've got a great biotechnology engineer who leads our science department from Paris. Um, and so, we've, you know, over the last two years, been developing our own uh, research and technology and working with universities and research institutes. And we have a couple of patents now. And so it's really taken a life of its own in the sense that we were growing a few mushrooms out of a container. Yeah. And now, um, yeah, uh, hoping to be a part of this mushroom movement. Just amazing. And for people who have great ideas and think, oh, I might start a, a, a business based on circular economic theory, how does how do you fund that kind of growth? I mean, you say you have a biotechnologist, head of biotechnology from France. Is it through grants, innovation grants and things that you're able to scale and create that kind of um, that kind of team quickly? or something else? At the start, we, uh, Ryan and I, my co-founder, we um, just you know, put in our own savings and we won a pitch event. So there was the city of Fremantle. Um, it's, a, it's a great community down there, very sustainably minded in WA. And the mayor there was very innovative to say, hey, if you've got a sustainable idea that contributes positively to, to the local community in Fremantle, then we'll give you some money. And so we were able to win $15,000. Oh, that's a help, yeah. We, that's a great help, and then we um, crowdfunded another fifteen thousand dollars, and so that gave us thirty thousand. And then we put our own savings in, and um, you know, we were able to to get started. And yeah. then from there, we got, got had some traction in the market in terms of you know selling a product, um, yeah. selling fresh mushrooms, which was great. And then from there, uh, we had some investment come in and bring in some some partners, and and from there we've, we've grown and so yeah that capital part and that business part we really had no background in but we learned on the run and you definitely uh whatever you budget you need double that and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's kind of like renovating <laughs> exactly so um, just uh keep that in mind and i think yeah, naively starting is one of the most important parts mm. and then once you're in it you find a way you find a solution because that's what uh, you know the humans have always done they've always been able to get themselves out of corners and so for us uh you know we just put our heads down and worked hard and how did we um you know i guess 
fund all of this. It was a part of you know having consumer products that we were able to sell. So yeah. our mushroom boxes and other things that you know we didn't have a problem selling because we we're very passionate about them. Um, yeah. We believed in them. They were, we believed that people experiencing these was was for the better. Um, and we had a lot of media on the back of that because they sort of, I guess, agreed with that in the sense that we we're on Landline and Gardening Australia and these TV shows because of that story around these guys are, are growing mushrooms from coffee ground and it's part of the circular economy. And so I think if you're doing the right thing, um, you know, customers will will appreciate that and support you. Absolutely. And, um, and thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people have great ideas but they're too scared to kind of launch and, and get out there. But you really do figure out the rest on the way on the way down you know once you've jumped out of the plane so to speak so it's, um, exactly, it's always yeah. nice to you hear that one very often yeah yeah totally that's, that's very true it's very true so obviously you need a lot of coffee grounds to do uh the mushroom growing side of the business how have you managed to build a network of of suppliers in that um space yeah it was really you know when you're starting from a, a small beginning uh it's about your core relationships and having good uh, relationships and working with people you can trust. And that just comes back down to the simple fact of face-to-face -face conversations, um, explaining where you're coming from and trying to offer as much value as possible. So to the cafes, it was a matter of it gives them uh, the ability to tell their clients that they're a part of this movement to grow mushrooms from coffee ground and it's managing their waste, it's decreasing their waste bill um, because we're taking the coffee ground from them so they have less bins. Um, that landfill is, or that the bins are, are being picked up. And then from there, they were able to bring them, in some cases, uh, the coffee ground back, grown, fully grown mushrooms that they put onto their menu. So it helps their brand, it helps uh, their economics, and um, it's about community and being uh, collaborative in business, I think, is, is the best way to, to go about it. So we were able to build a core group, of course, um, you know, some cafes or restaurants that we would have liked to come on didn't for whatever reason they're busy and and different things but yeah you you have to um start with hand-to-hand -hand combat or face-to-face -face in the <laughs> fact that you just go and build relationships like that's you know even though we have all these digital techniques there's nothing better than than um i guess meeting people in real life and having those conversations and those connections yeah absolutely and obviously as you've kind of alluded to um things have very much moved on from just growing mushrooms and selling fresh mushrooms and and um having restaurants cook with them etc so um we go beyond the stir fry with a bit of butter and garlic and into medicinal mushrooms uh what excited you about developing that part of the business what what were you seeing in the research that was um that was worth pursuing Exactly. It was that there was so much research. It was quite profound in that uh, there were so many articles on these on these mushrooms, and yet uh, no one really understood their capabilities. Uh, no one was really using them or had uh, access to them. And so there was there was, there was an opportunity there because it's you know, these become tools uh, in the sense of you know, other foods, uh, as we know, our medicine in the sense that you know what you eat can either be a, a slow poison for you or it can be something that can be seen to be very healthy and support a healthy life. And so um, giving access to these uh, mushrooms was something that we were very passionate about. And so 
the research, you know, across all the different mushrooms, which we can run through to some examples. Yeah, um, please go for it. Great. So, I mean, if we go with, and all of these mushrooms for people hearing for the first time will be, you know, thinking I'm speaking in French because the names <laughs> such as, you know, turkey tail and cordyceps and reishi and shaga, they're very unfamiliar names, but I, I'm very confident over the coming years they will become household names. Yeah. And we're already seeing that in other parts of the world. So, the cordyceps mushroom, this is a orange looking mushroom that, uh, you know, very revered in Tibet as Tibetan gold for its properties in ATP production and cellular energy. So this was really became famous on the back of two Chinese runners in the Olympics 16 years ago uh, winning gold in, and breaking a world record in the 10,000-meter race. And they bet a Kenyan uh, woman is very hard to do in long-distance running. Yeah. And so you know, the Olympics were assumed, the committee assumed, oh, well, maybe they're on some drugs, so let's do some drug testing And because they were the first two women, which is you know, great to mention today on International Women's Day that they broke the 10,000-meter record uh, sub-30 minutes. And so what came up as the results was they had uh, a compound called cordyceps uh, in their blood system, and the cordyceps comes from cordyceps, so it's the active component of cordyceps mushroom. Right. And so this helps increase VO2 max. And they didn't really know this at the time, although through Chinese medicine they had this belief. But on the back of this, um, you know, gold medal and these these wins, uh, there was a lot of research invested into this as, as I guess a, an energy production mushroom, and so it helps increase your uh, your adenotriphosphate which is your atp in your mitochondria means more oxygen in your cells more oxygen in your cells means more energy mm-hmm. and so that's the, the cordyceps mushroom so it's a, a natural energy booster um, where you don't get a peak and trough in energy maybe like the coffee and things where you know for two hours after you have your coffee you, you feel energized and then you perhaps start to lag again and you can get adrenal fatigue when you drink too much coffee uh, the cordyceps mushroom more so facilitates from the research and from you know the data it shows that it's sort of a smoother longer energy flow and so in the afternoon you're not getting this lag you're getting just uh, you know you're not needing a siesta uh, you're not crashing at your at your desk at work rather you still uh, have a good level of energy so that's um, a very exciting mushroom that's very popular Mm, um, I bet <laughs> everyone's like furiously googling you guys and quadriceps are on in the shopping cart already. I can tell. <laughs> so that's I mean when you read this research, but and, and no one really knew about it, uh, it was very exciting to say, "Wow, there's so much opportunity here because these are from great medical journals," mm. and uh, and it continues. And so uh, another mushroom, for example, is the lion's mane, and now this mushroom in its research is shown to. You know, have an important role in the nervous system support and so really around cognitive function or brain function so you know, reducing inflammation encouraging uh, neural growth so our nervous system is just an essentially an electrical system sending impulses and messages around from you know sensory information when we uh, feel or touch something to when we when we grab something and, and lift something it's all information and messages that are being passed on to our muscles to our brains and etc and so as you get older this nervous system if you imagine has a protective layer around it a layer of insulation called myelin m-y-e-l-i-n myelin and so this decays as we get older as part of the natural aging that occurs and this is happening in everybody from you know from 
from the mid-20s, everyone is slowly declining in the sense that they're aging. And so this mushroom helps remyelinate your insulation around your nervous system, helps re-insulate it so then your impulses are quicker, sharper, and smoother. And so what that means is, where did I leave my keys? Uh, what was on my to-do list? Uh, you know, these these moments are what's called mild cognitive impairment. And so it's, you know, where you're just having those, those momentary lapses. Yeah. And so lion's mane, by re-insulating the nerve cells and the neurons, has has shown to you know improve memory, improve focus, improve concentration, and uh, some very positive research out there around oral supplementation and improving that memory and that recall, and a lot of research ongoing at the moment in early mm-hmm. stage Alzheimer's, which is exciting. But this mushroom is not just for you know inverted commas the elderly; it's for you know youth, young populations as well that want to get the most out of their day, want to stay focused. And so it's being used a lot in Tilikin Valley and in these high-performance environments where people are working at you know, big companies and tech companies and it's a, it's a competitive environment and so they want the edge in some ways. Other research has shown uh, around REM sleep. So this is when you're in a deep restorative sleep. It's been shown to, um, to have some benefits there. So the research is, is exciting and, as I said, it comes from a number of different universities across America, across Europe, and, and through Asia. That's exciting. So we've done lion's mane and cordyceps. Uh, talk me through reishi. This is a bit of a magical one too. The magical reishi is known as the, the mushroom of immortality. Yeah, mm. It's a very exciting mushroom that has been revered in Chinese medicine for, for a long time now. So this mushroom has been revered uh and is in a number of Chinese temples. I was over in China 18 months ago, and you go into herbal medicine stores. And so in China, you have pharmacies, but you also have herbal medicine stores where you walk in and there's just mushrooms and there's just roots um, and there's just different plants. And so it's quite a fascinating environment because this has been a part of traditional Chinese medicine for a long time. But the reishi mushroom over there is in all the temples, in all the artwork. It's a very popular mushroom. And and so they've been using it for a long time, but what the, the modern-day research, the Western medicine has shown, is really its uh, immunomodulatory effects. So this means it's, it can dampen down your immune system when it's overactive, so when you have hyperimmune issues. Mm-hmm. Um, this may be seen in autoimmune cases or in cases where uh, you know, you're hypersensitive to, to allergens or to pollen or to, to things like this. It can dampen that down. And then when it can you know, stimulate the immune system, if it needs increased lymphocytes, macrophages, or natural killer cells. So these are the, the immune cells. So when we think immunity, there's actually names to it, which is the, uh, the natural killer cells, the lymphocytes, and the macrophages. But these guys uh, are activated to grow more and to proliferate more when your immune system is weakened. And that can be from when you're starting to get a cough, starting to get you know a bit nasally, uh, starting to feel a bit run down, this mushroom can help support that or has shown to support that. And so that's um, a very smart, intelligent mushroom that can go both ways, whether it's an overactive or an underactive immune system. It's a real, uh, you know, a strong base for immunity. Amazing. And um, gosh, I could talk about these all day. <laughs> so I much great research. Yeah, aren't you really touching the surface? I know. Yeah. But we can um, attach some links to the the articles for sure. Yeah, that'd be incredible. That'd be yeah. incredible. Can I pick your brain on two more that I've seen in sure. your store? Yep, Turkey yeah. Tail. Tell me. 
turkey tail mushroom, the most exciting part of this mushroom was uh, some research done uh, out of National Health Institute. It was a $2 million study that was done in America, and it showed in conjunction with chemotherapy, if you were taking some turkey tail mushroom, it helped stimulate your nerve system in breast cancer. Wow. Of course, uh, this is something that we leave to the research and the experts and the medical doctors um, to comment on and to run such research. But as a reader of this research, it's very exciting to see this kind of studies being conducted and the investment from uh, governments into studies such as this showed that the effects and the mechanisms with which this turkey tail mushroom helped um, with recovery. Amazing. Just amazing. And so... Beyond that, also, the turkey tail mushroom has been shown to be an effective uh, prebiotic and so has prebiotic benefits, stimulating, uh, you know, healthy gut bacteria. And so we know, and a lot of the research has been showing now, that healthy gut means a healthy brain. And so, you know, our serotonin and our dopamine are stimulated and produced by having a healthy gut. And those two chemicals are amazing for making you feel good. So when you eat some delicious food, when you hug a loved one, um, when you do some exercise, you release dopamine and serotonin, but having a healthy gut means you can do that a lot more effectively. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, that, that's really quite incredible. And I, before I ask you the next question, I do want you to just quickly share about shiitake because most people would think of that and they would think more cooking, but it's got some pretty special properties as well. Absolutely. And, and it's good to have these mushrooms in edible form if you can, but the the fact is that some are inedible, um, such as the turkey tail, such as the reishi. They're very hard mushrooms, mm. and other mushrooms are just very hard to get and to access and aren't native to Australia. So, you know, there's there's different um, ways in which you can consume it, and uh, and so we, I guess, offer it um, some of these products as flavorings to be added to your your coffee or add to your uh, smoothie or to add it to your broth, just so people can access. Uh, these mushrooms yeah. you know easily easily readable form but of course um, when you can grow them that's also pretty fun as well so the shiitake mushroom has been used a lot actually in korean cosmetics and skincare because it has what's called elastin and elastin is a compound that helps you know keep elasticity in your skin mm-hmm. and so uv radiation uv damage this co- stimulates what's called elastase which means, you know, helps break down the elasticity in your skin. But shiitake mushroom helps protect by producing elastin. So that's why it's used a lot in Korean cosmetics and and skincare um, because of these reasons. But a lot of the ingredients that you see on the back will not label it as shiitake. It will be labeled as its scientific name, which is a, a real mouthful, but um, it's Latuna Edodes. And so this is the, the scientific name that you may see on the back of ingredients in a lot of skincare products or a lot of cosmetic products. And so this is a, a great mushroom for, for D2, for D4, um, so a lot of vitamin D compounds in it, um, especially when it's dried out in the sun, um, which oh. is what a lot of producers do. They dry it out in the sun and then it absorbs the vitamin D and then it helps also uh, with B12 absorption. So really the uh, the shiitake mushroom in a nutshell you know you think the beauty mushroom you think hair skin and nails because of the elastin and because of the keratin so this is the building blocks of, of healthy hair and healthy nails and so um, you know what some of the research has shown is that you have stronger nails faster growing nails 
and uh, more vibrant and faster growing hair. So yeah, this is a, an exciting mushroom for, for the beauty space and I think in the future you'll see it in a lot of skin cares, uh, skin creams and a lot of other products. Very cool. Um, and so when someone's trying to decide whether they would choose a powder or an extract, uh, what what is the difference in terms of benefit or usage? Yeah, it's come down to, I mean, for a lot of the, the mushrooms that are in powders come from, for us, overseas markets and, and mostly out of Asian markets. And I think part of our circular economy principles is local production. And uh, also just producing a better product, then we just favour the favour the liquid extracts um, because of the bioavailability and so the potency with which they have um, and with which they're grown. And so we have extracts, liquid extracts that we've produced uh, you know, in the Northern Rivers Byron Bay area, and we also have powders. But a lot of it also just comes down to personal preference and usability. So the extracts can be uh, the liquid extracts can be thrown into any meal they're dissolved they're tasteless and so you're getting those medicinal or those, those benefits but then also um, the powders are very popular as well so there's personal preference there and I guess uh, we also just believe uh, in the bioavailability of mm. the mushroom and so getting the most compounds out of it and also overall for uh, the circular economy we believe in in local food production and smaller carbon footprints. And so a lot of other producers produce in powder form. Mm, interesting. And a lot of people are sort of scared who've got candida issues or maybe they're mold affected and they can kind of be really worried about all fungi in that case and, and kind of uh, really cautious. Can people who experience those sorts of health issues still make the most of the benefits of these extracts or should people with fungal issues stay away? Yeah, it's um, a very interesting one because you think, oh, well, uh, I've got fungal issues, I shouldn't have any fungi. And and what some of the research has shown, uh, you know, there was a case uh, where they showed that adding uh, the reishi mushroom into a toothpaste because one of the very f common Candida is actually oral candida, an mm. oral candida infection, and uh, this is was a common oral fungus. And so, using reishi mushroom as a part of the toothpaste that they developed showed great antimicrobial and antiviral properties. And so, um, it showed that you know we've had positive results with uh, with the bees. Yeah, have been suffering a fungal issue, but we've been using uh, mushrooms to help uh, relieve them of that fungal issue. And so the research is very promising in that, yes, you can use it, um, but from our position, I guess we're not able to comment on it completely because it's still not uh, fully concluded and we're not experts in that space of candida. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess we don't suggest um, to use it for treatment, but it's very interesting and I think it requires more research. I think it definitely requires speaking to uh, you know the experts, whether that's a naturopath or a medical doctor or someone in gut health, um, which is a, becoming a fascinating area and it does require specialist um, training because there's a lot of stool testing attached to it and a lot of pre and post measurement that's required. And so we've been working with uh, you know some researchers in this space to do some stool testing pre and post having it. Oh, wow. And so um, that's, but the jury's not out on these things. And so we're still learning. Um, but I, 
definitely not um, encourage people to be running away from mushrooms if they have a fungal condition. Um, definitely, you know, seek expert opinion, and I'm sure they'll be surprised with the, what the cans and the can the can nots as to what they can consume. Yeah, I'd imagine it's kind of like if you've got a bacterial imbalance in your microbiome, that doesn't mean you don't want to add good bacteria, you know, like it would be that logic almost in the fungal world. Could... Exactly, yeah. 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 And, that, and that's, um, I mean, what we know that that bacteria, I mean, we are just all bacteria whether we like it or not. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so there's, there's, like you said right at the start of the podcast, it's really there's good electricians and bad electricians and there's, you know, there's good mushrooms and bad mushrooms and there's good biotechnology and bad and it's the same with, with bacteria. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so a word, a, a phrase that kind of um, uh, got me when I was looking through all your stuff was double extract. What does that mean when you say that these are double extracts? Yeah, so this means this, the solubility uh, of the bioactive compounds. In other words, how do you get the... The, you know the benefits out of the mushroom into a powder form or into a liquid form you use a double extract method which means you use hot water extract so boiling in hot water imagine a bit like um, if anyone's ever been to a brewery and seen that process of the grains going through a hot water extract and being brewed um, you know, at a large scale that's the hot water extraction process and then you have an ethanol extraction process because by combining both, you get all of the compounds out of the mushrooms, all of the benefits. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Um, I, I just love how much, how deep into the science you guys have gone for this. This is really, really quite exciting. Can I ask you a personal question? Um, like out of all of the mushrooms, and I know no parent wants to choose a favorite and, and yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. what is your favorite and, and how do you enjoy consuming it? Absolutely. If I was stranded on an island and I could only choose one mushroom, it would definitely be the lion's mane uh, mushroom that's uh, a favorite because both you get uh, an uplift in energy, you get uh, increased focus and concentration, but at the same time, I just find I sleep a lot better with it. And funnily enough, I seem to really recall my dreams a lot more. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So it sounds like it's a really amazing adaptogen. Mm, mm. Exactly, oh. exactly. And so that's my, my personal favourite. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of great anecdotal stories about that mushroom and just having great benefits. And then the research supports that. And I think as a tool going forward, um, you know, everybody wants to have – better focus, better concentration, and better sleep. And beyond that, the research is certainly suggesting its benefits uh, in neurological conditions. Mm -hmm. And I, I wait to, to see how that research unfolds and how that's incorporated into um, into modern medicine through doctors and, and the thing, the, such professionals. Yeah. I might um, add that to my uh, trial trials and, um, and experiments on self. I've had... Um, recovering from mold illness, uh, chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And one of the yeah. things, one of the major things that happens to you is your brain just gets completely fried and inflamed. Um, if you've had wow. long-term long chronic exposure to mold and you can't clear it, which there's a small group of us genetically who can't. And, um, yeah. and so, yeah, I'm always up for, for adding a little booster to my progress. So yeah, I think yeah, uh, lion's sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
Um, and then another question, I guess, is can you overdo it? Like are there specific serving amounts and sizes and or droppers that we need to be really mindful of how much we take of the mushrooms? Yeah, we have recommended usages based on, on the research and the data and gotcha. toxicology uh, understanding because it's important to understand that, you know, uh, you know, the, the phrase is the dose makes the poison in the sense that anything can be a poison if you consume too much of it, mm. even even water and things as such, you know, you can oversaturate your cells. So, yes, you, for us, uh, we have a recommended serving size and that's very conservative and safe uh, as to you know, what's prescribed. But, um, yeah, of course, you have to sort of, I guess, rely on, on people being, uh, you know, mature about what they're consuming with anything <laughs> yeah of course. Uh, whether it's um chocolate um or anything so yeah we just have recommended usages based on on the research based on uh toxicology around uh you know what's a, a safe consumption of these mushrooms awesome mm. um so i guess things are going obviously super well for you guys it's all really exciting and um, and I'd love to hear what at this stage you're a few years in what three and a half years or so. What yeah. is the big picture for you? What do you see taking shape as to where you want this to all go? Yeah, well, as you sort of are hearing, we're doing a number of things, and we've got you know a great team of people all very committed and and do, you know leading separate areas such as 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 Ryan, our co-founder, he's uh, you know been able to really lead the national mushroom network and and this was um where we wanted to create a decentralized food network and so i haven't spoken much about that but that's you know again utilizing resources is something i guess that we're passionate about and so backyards are sitting dormant aren't really doing anything a lot of the time and so how do we turn these into something that uh, can produce food um, can generally produce and produce income for someone at home mm. and so the national mushroom network is where we have, I guess, shared our intellectual property and ability to grow mushrooms and resources to allow people to, um, you know, commit to a three-by-three three space that's engineered to grow mushrooms. And within two weeks of, uh, of starting, you can have mushroom crops growing and then you're selling these to your local farmers markets and local cafes and restaurants. But what this really is as a, as a vision that, that came from our chairman was, you know, how do we decentralise the network of food production so we don't just have one big um you know warehouse in in adelaide or wherever it may be growing mushrooms for all of australia how do you have uh you know local mushrooms being grown in shepparton how do you have local mushrooms being grown in margaret river because we know the taste and the quality is always better when it's fresh mm. and knowing your farmer uh, and building community through food has been something we've done for a long time but we're starting to lose that fabric yeah as we as we go into monoculture cropping. And so it's just going the other way with creating decentralized systems. And so um, that's something that's going very well. We've got 59 growers across Australia and we're expanding that into the US as of May. How amazing is that? And how do people hook into this and find out where these mushrooms are being grown? Absolutely, yeah. The nationalmushroomnetwork.com awesome. um, is where we have information around how to be a part of it, whether you know you want to send an email to, to learn more about being growing mushrooms or whether you know, we've had some great stories where we've had uh, you know carers at home who are looking after a, a sick p- parent or a loved one and you know they're able to now to stay at home care for their 
their loved one, but also um, create a business out of their backyard and supply local farmers markets and cafes. Or we've had um, you know parents support their teenage children to learn about entrepreneurship, and you know it's the new lemonade stand almost the, the mushroom um, grow room. And then we've also had other cases where people have left other careers in mining or whatever it may be to, to grow mushrooms. So that's exciting, and it's also like you said, you know, how do you purchase these mushrooms and where do you where can you support them? Well, I think uh, something that we're very passionate about also is just supporting your local farmers market and yeah. your your farmer. Mm. I mean, it, it really, if we change even a fifth of the shopping that is now currently being done in a very centralised um, supermarket sort of fashion and just went to a farmer's market once a month instead, I mean, the shift in just that action alone is mind-boggling when we think of it as a collective action that the 65,000 or so low-tox peeps could achieve in the space of a month. We could get that happening and literally literally, uh, change the world from our shopping baskets. And I just never hesitate to remind us that it's actually that simple to to really make big impacts. So thanks for sharing that because I think it's such a great example of how something so simple can have such a massive impact. It's just the, the you know, you just need the shepherd to show you the way and then to get the network happening and then everybody can join the network. It's amazing. Build it and they will come. That's the, that's, that was the hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope very much that they keep coming. So I, I've got a last question for you. I would love to ask you um, – more of a uh, an empowering sort of question because you've been on such a journey yourself as a as a human as a business owner to really see the potential in thinking in a more circular fashion and what it can do and how fast it can accelerate our regeneration because i think sustainability we've passed that we need to regenerate and um and and i'd love to hear your thoughts on some simple ways or one simple way people could have an impact on their current waste situation and start to think in a more circular fashion what would you what would you want to tell those people out there to to think about starting to do i think it would start uh on the topic of mushrooms it would start with what we're putting on our plate in Mm. the sense that uh you know it's just if i know in, in china and other populations that mushrooms are revered as separate to vegetables and but must be a part of every dinner plate or every healthy meal. Mm-hmm. But and so if we're adding mushrooms to our dishes more, and we're just change, having that small shift in thinking, oh, I'm not going to have uh, meat tonight, or I'm going to have less meat or less of something else, and and add mushrooms to the plate, you're lowering your carbon footprint as well. Yeah, as well as improving your health, as well as you know contributing to that waste management system because a lot of mushrooms are grown from circular economy principles because they use agricultural waste. And so I think if we can just embed into our mind and that you know, putting mushrooms on our plate more often, um, one, it may support the National Mushroom Network or it may support your local farmer's market grower. Uh, two, it's lowering your carbon footprint dramatically because of such minimal amounts of water and chemicals and CO2 that are produced from growing mushrooms. Yeah. And three, it's um yeah, it's helping that circular economy piece. So, and uh, so I think that's something that people could do immediately, um, just through understanding and seeing it in that light. Awesome! It was always going to be about mushrooms from you, wasn't it? I'm pretty biased <laughs> about the mushrooms. <laughs> <I'm> pretty biased. <laughs> 
but I, but I do love your point around that um, that ability to just to think about where we're spending our dollars and, and and going back to the farmers markets. These small things are the really big things. Yeah, totally. That's right. I mean, you know, I think one of the most powerful things that happened for me on this awakening journey was around food first. That's where it very much started for me first. And in looking at these packets and packets and ingredient lists that I had to start navigating because my uh, practitioner wanted me to stop eating gluten uh, about 15 years ago, um, I started to look beyond just the gluten that I was looking for and think, what the heck is all this stuff? Where does it come from? Who's making it? And I very start, quickly started to realize that the values of the businesses who were making these highly processed foods did not match the values that I was raised on. And mm-hmm. so there was a huge disconnect between what I was putting in my mouth and what I believed in my heart. And I think when people have that moment of really sitting with what they're consuming and where it comes from, how it's made, and whether your values match the values of the businesses who made it, uh, it really is a very empowering and powerful start to the rest of your life choosing differently and choosing in a more meaningful way. Um, so it's always just so exciting to hear about people such as yourselves who are doing this great work um, to to help us reconnect to what's important. Absolutely. And, and it's that empowering piece, understanding that actually, you know, as a consumer, you have the power. And so if you decide to choose you know, something that is ethical, is aligned with you and you believe is healthy because it doesn't have all of those nasties and numbers attached to it, then very quickly the company that's producing that other, uh, you know, what we would call inverted commas food that's um, just, you know, Frankenstein mm. uh, ingredients, um, they will start producing that immediately otherwise they'll go out of business. So they listen quickly. They do. Um, people so don't make well. what people don't buy. There's, it makes no economic sense to do that. So they either um, pivot or jump ship. Or go out of business very yeah. quickly. So, yeah, that's the exciting part about it. And, you know, by communicating with uh, the audience and the guys listening today and, and giving them that uh, message, I'm sure they already know, but it's a great reminder. Um, it gives us a positive feeling for the future as to the way we can determine the outcome. Sure does. Thank you so much for joining me, Julian. This was such a lovely chat. I love knowing there are businesses like you guys out there in the world doing um, not just good soulful things but also really amazing innovative things for people's health. Uh, So I want to thank you for joining me on the show and uh, everybody needs to head to the show notes to find out how you can access um, the life cycle products and join their community. Some of the work you guys are doing around bees, I think is fascinating. We didn't go into that today. We could have talked for hours, but, um, <laughs> but I encourage everybody to head to the website. And once again, thank you, Julian, for joining me. Awesome, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com 
And there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body, and mind topics, as well as kids, and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Music.